0: Well, good afternoon, supervisors. Good afternoon, staff. Good, ab- or good evening, the supervisor. Good evening, staff. Good evening, loud. And I'd like to call to order the October 16th, 2023 Board of Supervisors Zoning Ordinance Rewrite Session, um, work session. This room has a hearing loop. If you need hearing assistance, switch your hearing aids to the telecall mode you need a headset, we have those available as well. Please see the clerk to request one. Mr. Buffington will not be here with us with us tonight, and I have not heard from any other supervisor who we don't see, so I'm assuming they would be here a little bit later, um, they'll be coming in. Would everyone please join me in the pledge? Well, is Mr. eternal. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic
1: for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: Mr. Sains and Mr. Kirshner have a Pledge of Allegiance contest up here, evidently. I guess <laughs> that's what that is. So, um, <laughs> so um, Loudon, I have had a God-awful weekend. My, um, my aunt, who's more like a sister to me, passed away. And I have been, I've had a tough weekend, and so if it was any, if it were anyone else, I would tell them to use your support system and to lean on people to help you, and so I'm going to do that good self talk to myself, and once again pass the day the, the the gavel to Mr. Turner to run this meeting. I was in a meeting with him this morning on the in, in Friday, about uh, affordability, um, and so he is completely up to. Up to par and and, and up to date because every meeting I've been in, he's been in with me, and so um, without objection, I'm going to allow Mr. Turner to um, chair this meeting. Mr. Turner, would like to trade places? Get my seat.
2: <laughs> That's a little harsh. <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: Oh, he might get chilly, so he
2: might want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I can only have so much for me right That's now. Mine. <laughs> Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, very briefly, let me uh, lay out the way we're going to do this tonight. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but um, uh, just kind of go over some uh, housekeeping issues. And then um, I do have one little administrative note I want to make at the, at the top of the meeting. Um, So we've changed the flow a little bit this evening uh, at the request of some of the stakeholder groups. So what we're gonna do tonight is um, we will uh, start off with a presentation by staff on Chapter 7. They'll do their presentation. We'll do a round of questions uh, from the uh, board members. And then uh, we will uh, have uh, stakeholder comments. Uh, Actually, I take that back. Is that right? No. Well, no, time? no, that's not right. That's not right. Um, I take the <laughs> yeah, take the gavel back. <laughs> <laughs> Staff's gonna do their presentations, then we're gonna ask questions, and then we will have stakeholder comments before we go into any of the motions. We're gonna, we used to do the, the carryover motions up front, and the stakeholder said we would like an opportunity to be able to comment before those carryover motions are discussed. So we will come out of the, uh, the staff presentation with the questions. Uh, we will uh, then have stakeholder comments on all of the motions and whatever else the stakeholders would like to talk about. And then we will go into the Committee of the Whole and uh, go through all of the motions as a single package, as a Committee of the Whole. We'll have one minute set on the clock for Committee of the Whole. The three minutes is on there right now for questions for staff after the presentation. Um, and we'll do the one minute on the clock. It's not a hard and fast rule, it's just a guide. Please keep your comments as short as possible. Um, I will tell you that we had a very good meeting on Friday uh, and then another good meeting uh, today on uh, chapter nine. Um, uh, I believe it's sections one, two, and three in chapter nine. And um, a lot of the modifiability questions related to chapter seven are covered in the motions tonight. So there is a consensus among those we've talked to Friday and today and county staff that we don't need the modifiability meeting on Wednesday. Um, And uh, unless something radically different happens tonight that might require that, and stakeholders, please feel free if you think very strongly that we should have a meeting on Wednesday, then you feel free to say so in the comments and we'll discuss it. But right now, the plan is not to hold the modifiability meeting, to cancel the meeting on Wednesday uh, unless something changes. So with that, and without further ado, I think if I could ask staff to do the presentation on chapter seven, that would be great.
4: Thank you and good evening board. Uh, I'm Rick Hancock and I'll be presenting this item or the chapter seven development standards. So development standards is part of our, in in chapter seven, this is part of the continuing zoning ordinance reorganization. So this chapter would include many regulations for the first time in their own chapter, as opposed to in separate zoning regulations, zoning district regulations. So we're including site development, such as density, lot lot requirements, Um, open space um, has its own section now, Tree planting, replacement, preservation, landscaping requirements, light, um, parking requirements is also in this chapter. Transportation requirements for vehicles, bicycle, and pedestrian routes. Um, additionally, utilities uh, in specific sewer and water, but all types of utilities. Home or owners' associations, such as homeowners' associations, property owners' associations, have their own section and are treated. Uh, similarly throughout the the zoning ordinance now. It also includes uh, the rural Hamlet development option for the legacy A3 and A10 zoning districts. As I mentioned briefly at the beginning, part of the reasons we put these development standards in this chapter is so that we can provide them consistently throughout the county um, with particular emphasis, I would say, for open space, utilities, and owner's associations. Um, currently, depending on the zoning district, there's some nuances, a little bit different way we take a look at these things and we want to look at them um, from a countywide basis. Um, we've also updated many of the standards such as clarifying the, dif- the relationship between buffer yards and setbacks. Uh, sometimes those terms get confused. and uh, we've also updated some of the lot frontage and access requirements to be more modern. We've also for the first time included transition standards so that new development when it goes in is a better neighbor to the existing development that uh, is previously existing. So in the issues identified in the report, uh, there are a few and so I'd like to go through these briefly. So open space is a new section to treat open space and we've standardized how open space is calculated. So, part of this is based on the general plans concepts of open space. And so, what we're really trying to do is get quality open space. So, we do this particularly in Table 7022 by assigning factors, three tiers of factors, for different, based on the characteristic of the open space. So, you have 100% or bonus factor for environmentally sensitive areas and uh, public dedications for example for parks Um, there's the standard or 100 percent factor uh, for most of your open space um, types and then finally there's a 50 percent it's kind of a it's a reduced it's for marginal open space um, or off-site open space we do allow uh, particularly uh, with the approval of a special exception to be able to provide some of your open space off-site, but that needs to be limited to to half and would only count for 50%. Um, There there have been some things that we've worked through. This has been an issue that uh, has received a fair amount of public comment uh, during the public uh, review, during the Planning Commission, and even since the Planning Commission. And so we've worked with, Many of those who have made comments, and we, we have a solution. And so one of those is to allow a project-wide uh, approval for open space. So essentially, if you get a concept development plan approved, you can identify where the open space is going to be provided instead of being stuck at each and every individual site plan, which may or may not fit with the entire development. We also uh, propose to exempt public facilities from the open space requirements. We propose to allow modification of the required open space amount for redevelopment where the previous approvals or previous requirements were for a lower amount of open space and so this would be up to the board's discretion, where the board can say, no, you need to provide the full amount as it is required today, or the board could say, you know what, let's just get the same amount of open space that was previously required for redevelopment only. We've also added some flexibility to the types of open space. So for example, buffers and screens, there's a type of open space for buffers and screenings. We're less concerned with the width on that than we are with the type or how how it screens. So we're looking at plant units. So we'd like to to shift that. We've also added a new um, type of open space called supplemental landscaping. So if you can't meet that that minimum 20-foot dimension, you don't get zero value. You you get a 50% value, so it's less, um, and it's got to still be an average of 10 feet wide and at least 400 square feet. Um, And then we uh, also propose to remove the restriction on certain types of open space to no more than 50% of required open space with the notable exception of being the offsite open space. That would still be limited to that 50% required and then we also uh, have some language to clarify that only required open space uh, is subject to an easement. And there are only some very specific requirements that kind of trigger that open space easement requirement. We can get into that if you'd like during discussion. There's another issue that we would like to bring to your attention and uh, would like to receive direction. And that is the uh, the Planning Commission decided to increase the setbacks along uh, Route seven from the Fairfax County line to the Broad Run um, to 75 feet for parking and 100 feet for building. Now this previously was reduced down to 50 feet um, in 2007, and there have actually been a few projects that have been approved since that time. Uh, One of those is, is shown here on the screen, the shops at Potomac Corner, which as you can see, wouldn't exist in its present configuration at all, if this were to be um, adopted. And the reason why staff is bringing this to your attention is that there isn't any general plan guidance on this. There's nothing in the general plan that relates to the setbacks along Route 7. And we see this as a deviation from board established policy and wanted to, to highlight that. We also have some changes to the use buffer matrix in section 70403. When this was originally drafted up, it was just converting existing requirements in the revised 93. Well, as you know, there have been a a number of changes to the use requirements in chapters three and four. And so how we're categorizing uses, it doesn't really line up with how we had treated them when we put this original matrix together. And another issue is that um, It's really implemented by a zoning administrator's advisory opinion. It was issued in 2019 when this section of the ordinance was most recently updated. What we are proposing to do is revise some of the names and characteristics of these groups. Um, It reduces the number from 13 down to 12, um, but we're also proposing to add a new appendix an Appendix D that is based on the classification and grouping of land uses as provided in chapter three. And so this way everybody from, the, from staff to the applicant can know depending on the use that they're proposing what those buffer requirements are gonna be. Uh, we also have three additional issues with regards to parking. Uh, I don't have motions in the packet tonight regarding these. Um, We're anticipating some additional discussion perhaps on Wednesday, uh, which may not happen. So for these three items, we will be coming forward at a a later uh, meeting with motions representing these items. So one is residential parking ratios. Um, Generally, the Planning Commission increased a lot of the residential parking requirements. Uh, They did break the uses out a little bit differently. They currently exist in the revised 93. They looked at types of dwellings, if it's a single family attached or a multi-family stacked, for example. The number of bedrooms, if it's a one to two or three. Um, Also the size of garage, Uh, if it's a one or two car garage and felt like there were different parking demands based on that. Uh, Additionally, the size of the lot. So for a single family detached on a narrow lot, there isn't as much street frontage and so there would be less available on the street. So the planning commission felt like there should be an increased or additional requirements to make sure that there's still enough that's provided for the entire neighborhood. We would like to note that there are lower parking ratios in the urban zoning districts. So even though generally there's more in the urban there's less, And staff does have a clarifying issue with uh, what is existing in the uh, draft zoning ordinance kind of have some ambiguity on the single family attached when it has uh, a one or two car garage. And so we want to clarify on that, that it only relates to the three bedroom dwellings. Parking for attainable housing, the draft ordinance um, provides for automatic reductions uh, based on the affordability limits, um, we've had a pro- I've had a productive uh, discussion with Kim Hart, and we have an alternative um, uh, parking reduction for multifamily attached AHU units. Um, those can function a little bit differently than your generic uh, attainable housing, and so we will be coming forward to you. With a with a proposed staff motion to adopt a flat rate option for AHU multifamily attached. Additionally, even though these are automatic reductions, there are still other reductions are still available, based on location, and uh, and presenting a a parking adjustment as any other project would be able to. And finally, for electronic vehicle parking, the Planning Commission draft includes EV parking only if a project meets three requirements. Um, One is a parking adjustment is approved. Two, it's in an urban, suburban, or office and industrial zoning district. And three, it's at least 10,000 square feet of building addition or building. Um, However, it doesn't give amounts. It just says parking is required. And so we're what we will be looking forward to is direction to add uh, amounts, basically percentages. We're looking at a ten percent uh, for residential and lodging uses, two percent for commercial, civic, and industrial uses, and then no EV requirements for other types of uses. Included in your packet um, is a. Um, uh, the revisions that we have to the utilities section. Uh, we've actually had quite a bit of revisions since the planning commission adopted the draft zoning ordinance. And this is to, um, well, we, we considered a lot of things and to address concerns from Loudon Water and other county departments. And also some of the changes made to chapters three and four. Uh, this updates the water and sewer standards in the zoning districts. Um, it better implements the Leesburg JLMA policy for the Leesburg JLMA zoning districts, um, which is new with the, revised, with the uh, 2019 general plan. And it also requires central water and sewer for new development in the transition zoning districts. And of course, staff does have a few um, quality control revisions that we think make the zoning ordinance better. Uh, this concludes my presentation, and I'm certainly happy to do my best to answer your questions. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Mr. Hancock. Uh, questions, please put your lights on. Uh, Supervisor Brisbane.
5: Thank you. Um, on slide five, I, I'm a little bit confused. Does it? Are you indicating that um, if a project has environmentally sensitive areas and or public dedication areas that they get a 150% credit?
4: Essentially, yes. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a carrot approach um, to getting the types of open space that we're looking forward to. So for example, if there's wetlands on the site, um, or there's an historic area, uh, element to the site, like there's been a phase one archeological, we know that this is, a, this is an important yeah. piece that we wanna preserve, we, we give them a bonus, bonus credit for it.
5: Okay, so that means they get 100% credit plus 50%. <coughs> yeah, so yeah. essentially if there's an acre
4: of that, they would count as an acre and a half.
5: Okay, I need to read the definition of open space again, but I mean, wetlands aren't necessarily usable
4: aren't necessarily developable but they can be developed over and currently under the revised and the current zoning ordinance you get the same credit if you pave over the wetlands and landscape it with non-wetlands as you do if you kept the wetlands and so we're trying to encourage keeping oh interesting environmental benefits right
5: Uh uh-huh okay all right um and then On, on slide nine am I to read this correctly that we are increasing the requirements for parking on SFA SFD multifamily attached multi it's so that's kind
4: of, it's a generalization okay so there are a variety of more different um, uh, categories of residential uses provided in the draft ordinance also we provide different uh, rates based on the type of zoning district it's in so if it's in an urban district versus a rural district okay okay
5: Um, I'm running out of time Um, was there any discussion about the requiring I think it was a townhouse garage only count for half a space and are we expecting some motions on that
4: we could certainly entertain motions on that. I haven't seen anything yet on that. I know okay. that uh, at least was brought up by, during the public hearing.
5: Okay, um, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll probably be in touch on that because I think a garage should count as a full space. Because if we do have space, then we have to increase asphalt on the rest of the project. And I don't know that it's enforceable. So, all right, thank you.
2: Thank you, and I should say, uh, if- the, we did not say it up front. The room has a hearing loop, so if you need to set your hearing aid to telecoil mode, please do that, and we have headsets available if you need them. Supervisor Letourneau.
6: Um I'm definitely going to want to dive in deeply on parking, but let me start with this one. Um, so there's provisions in here allowing for administrative reductions of parking requirements of up to 35%. Can you explain how and when that would apply or occur? and whether that applies to both residential and commercial districts?
4: Yes, that would apply to any of the parking ratios that exist. Um, So if a project, just as currently, um, they can apply either for a Z mod or a special exception uh, before the board to reduce those parking rates, we have an administrative uh, procedure so that if they meet, you know, they provide the transportation studies and showing that they don't need the parking, et cetera, then it can be approved by the zoning administrator. Now, it's capped at 35%, so anything more than 35% would have to go to a special exception.
6: Yeah, I know I was preaching modifiability, but this may be one where I'm not necessarily comfortable giving that to staff, um, as opposed to a board Z mod, so I may have something on that um, when we take this back up. I, I assume the parking issue is gonna keep uh, it's gonna stay with us just for a little bit. Um, so is there anything any changes to the flex industrial areas on parking standards? Because those of us that have those know there's truly constant issues going on there with vehicles. And what happens is, just while you're looking, when you have a building, say a flex building, and it has like five different auto uses, they each get like five or six spots, It's nowhere near adequate. They've got customers coming and going. They have cars that can't move. And so it spills out all over the place, and it spills out onto the street. And you talk to the sheriff's office, they do a ton of, uh, they write a lot of tickets in there, all that kind of stuff. So were there any changes to any of those standards around that type
4: of We did actually add a standard for, particularly for the auto repair. Excellent. So to draw a distinction between storage of vehicles with parking requirements. So you can't store the vehicle. You can't have a vehicle that you're doing work on in a required parking space. It has to be above and beyond. So um, to try and address that particular problem.
6: sales combined with storage?
4: Uh, I believe we do the same thing for the sales as okay. well. So in a parking, you know, if you're you're selling automobiles, there's a parking requirement, but that's that's exclusive of your display area.
6: OK. For vehicles. OK. And then the last 15 seconds, I'll go to the can of worms. That is the affordable. I, I guess I'm not quite understanding why we would throw out a consideration for the size of the unit, even if it's an affordable unit. In other words, a one-bedroom versus a two-bedroom versus a three-bedroom. Because the the compromise I saw is sort of a standard across the board.
3: Uh,
4: Actually, no. So the compromise would be, um, oh, let me back up, and and I'll give a little better answer for you. So the draft has it based on affordability. So that would take into account the size of the unit, the numbers, the affordability. Not just the um, MI. I know I'm, out of, I'm out of So theory. it's based on the, the rate that's provided in Table 706021. So if it's a single family attached, or if it's a single family detached, or single, you know, multifamily, it's gonna have a different rate. And so you get a reduction that's a percentage. Yeah, I meant
6: within multifamily, but Let's we'll go back to that. But
4: the, the compromise is that for the AHU multifamily attached, you could have an alternate metric of one and a half parking spaces per unit regardless of unit size. Supervisor question.
1: Thank you, do chair. Um so I have just a couple of questions. Um I had some of the same concerns that Supervisor Le Turner did on the parking so I look forward to seeing what his thoughts are on that in terms of motions. Um, on the just out of curiosity on the Hamlet option now for A3 and A10. Um, what was the discussion behind I mean I think this is a really good thing from my understanding of the way Hamlet's work but I didn't even realize it wasn't allowed, but can you talk to me a little bit about what the discussion the thinking was behind that?
4: Well, there wasn't actually too much discussion. So this is an existing provision that ex- in the revised 93. Right. And so really it's just transferring I it see. into okay. the new zoning ordinance. We kind of had to find a new home for it cuz gotcha. it's not really a zoning district. Okay. So.
1: Okay. Um, the open space requirements uh, for public dedication, you get the 150%. Can you what what does what is public dedication defined? What would that entail? Would that anything that's donated for public use or does it have to be recreational? Can you give me some? Yeah, so
4: there's actually more than one. So uh, obviously public dedication would, you know, that's, that's a lot of things. So I'm talking about specifically dedicated land that is dedicated to and acceptable by the county for a public park. So that just would apart. be the 100. Just a park. That would be the 150%. We do have
1: a. Does it have to? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Does it have to be adjacent to part of the development?
4: It would have to be part of the development. Okay. To get that. Or part of a donation as part of the it's development. part of the development that so donation. Contiguous, <laughs> so to speak. Right. Okay. So we do actually have another um, category for dedicated for public use. land that's dedicated to the county for public use, excluding parks and roads, and that would be a 50%. Okay. So that's to kind of help, because we do have some public facility needs, right, schools, to try and help that, move that along.
1: That would make some sense. Um, The setbacks, the recommended, I think, have it 100 feet setbacks, you had mentioned in your presentation that previous rule that currently exists, and you guys are giving this some thought in terms of suggestions to us, that the current rule is 50 feet. Do you have any, did you wanna elaborate on that, Elilio? In other words, um, you said it wasn't part of the general plan really, so this is maybe the Planning Commission went above and beyond. What was the Planning Commission's discussion and thought process in here, and can you as staff kind of weigh in a little bit more in terms of what your thought
4: process is? I think it came down to the planning commission felt like there should be a bigger buffer okay. along Route Seven. Okay. Um, it, it does get quite a bit bigger um, after the Broad Run and, and up into Leesburg, for example. Yeah. Um, but uh, our our position is it's kind it's of a it's an interesting it, yeah. break point, and before that we already have some development that's within that one
1: that area. I got it. One last question on the EV requirement in suburban, is that? Would that be in public parking? Is, is that is that chargers? Is that is that what you're referring to by EV parking? Yeah, is essentially that they would public have to, parking spots.
4: Uh, f- that was so not clear to me. In a commercial center, for example, if uh, they got a parking reduction okay. and they were over ten thousand square feet, then they would have to provide EV parking. That's that's essentially the infrastructure so that you can park those. Park oh, there. I get it. okay. Yeah. Thank you. Supervisor Upstock
7: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so two areas, uh, again, parking, of course it's always parking. Um, and I, I don't want to in any way um, make it more difficult for uh, affordable housing developers to build um, affordable housing, but based on my observations in Leesburg, not necessarily elsewhere, but in Leesburg, we can often have a one-bedroom apartment with an entire family living in it, potentially with two working folks, both of whom have cars, a two-bedroom. will sometimes have two entire families, four cars, a three-bedroom, three entire families, potentially six cars. So we don't always match what I think our assumptions here might be as far as parking needs. We had a small Rambler in Leesburg and we had one story, probably a two bedroom Rambler and every evening we would have about nine vehicles parked on that lot. So our constituents aren't necessarily living the way this might assume they are. And so I wonder when we looked at the parking needs, did anybody go around and say, you know, what are the parking needs in this subdivision or in this townhouse community or in this apartment block? We also have a lot of spillover from our very modest apartment units onto um, the neighborhood streets. Um, which has resulted in the town having to put in place residential parking restrictions. But there just seems never to be enough parking. And I wonder, where where are we as a county seeing all this additional parking space that isn't being utilized? I don't see it in Leesburg. It could just be my district that doesn't experience this the way I think we assume it would in, in this rewrite. Any thoughts on that?
4: So I think that was particularly why the Planning Commission spent so much time on the parking. Uh, they've received a number of concerns. It's, it's always when the project comes up, uh, there isn't enough parking, it feels like. Um, generally for your residential projects. Um, and so that's why uh, generally there is an increase in the parking uh, that's required. Uh, and they also looked at, only counting garage spaces is a half a space. They felt like uh, maybe 50% if on a good day um, are using the garages for parking. And so it just kind of ex- exacerbates the problem. Um, with regards to affordable housing, that was also part of the reason why they felt like the reductions based on affordability was probably a, a safer bet to go. Uh, however, we have received projects that have been approved and have provided parking studies and surveys of AHU multifamily attached, which showed that uh, it, was, it was about one and a half spaces or less per unit that uh, um, and that included projects, I believe in, in Leesburg, uh, but all the most recently approved multifamily um, affordable projects in the county were included in that study. So there, so there is some science behind that number. Um, but you know, the other, have we done it? it, 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 it some of these were, anyway, I'll, I'll, we've thought about it a lot, yes. Okay, <laughs> All <right>. thank you.
8: <laughs> thank you, Chair Turner. Um, I guess I have a, a parking question as well, and that is um, what I see within um, some of the HOAs are folks that may have a small business and with that small business, they may have a truck with the signage, you know, for their business. And the the issue that I'm seeing is that, um, you know, some of the H- HOAs don't allow them to park their vehicles, you know, in, on the HOA. So they're having a hard time trying to find places for them to park. And so um, with that, then they are parking in different areas on you know, on main roads. And so then I'm getting people to call and say that um, that it's unsafe for them to drive because of all of the, you know, all of the large vehicles that are parked on the side of the road. I think that's one of the issues that I'm seeing. And if we have tried to help alleviate that problem that, we're, that my constituents are calling me about.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think your concern uh, raises kind of a, an interesting conundrum with parking. Um, it's in, and that's why it's difficult to get hard, fast scientific numbers on this. And that's because a lot of this depends on how far are you willing to walk? Um, are you willing to put up with the parking ticket every so often? And, and there's a certain amount of uh, fungibility on that. Um, and how do you determine the best way to put these numbers so that everybody's happy and and you don't use up too much land area for parking. Um, So it's certainly a balancing act. As far as the owner's associations, uh, we don't have anything that that restricts them, basically because they're private agreements on how they run internally, on what they exclude um, from within them. we do have a section on oversized vehicle parking, which includes commercial vehicles and, and where they can be parked and how long they can be parked there.
0: Uh, wait, wait. Uh, I'm just- That's okay, thank you. Um, first of all, let's have a whole discussion on transit. Maybe if we have a whole discussion on transit, we won't need to have a whole discussion on parking. Just, just saying. Um, let's go to go to slide seven, please. Because um, and that is um, Route Seven from Fairfax uh, to Broad Run, what what is allowed in that stretch of in that stretch? What types of because we're talking about commercial buildings, right, or uh, office buildings, correct? So
4: there are commercial. There's actually some residential that's allowed in there. I mean, there's a variety a whole of variety of things. Yeah.
0: So I know I remember last term we had this long discussion around on our main corridors, where the goal is to put um, parking behind the buildings. And so even if we said the building setback is only a hundred feet, that would be okay. If we put the parking behind the building, but it's 75 feet. You don't, you don't want the parking in front of the building, no matter what, it just doesn't make your corridor look, look very, very good. And so am am I imagining that we had that discussion before?
4: Uh, I wasn't present for that discussion if we had it and it could have been, but I think you pointed out something that's, that's, that, a very good observation here is that when you do have a, a smaller setback for the parking than you do for the building, you're encouraging the parking to go up front. Exactly. Um, and from an exactly. urban design perspective, you do not want that. You, you want the yep. parking. Yeah, especially space, especially along main, your main roads. Main right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So there may be something that we may we want to do with this because I don't want to see the parking in front. I want to see it in the side. I want to see it in the back. And then my only other question, because all the other questions have been fairly well answered is when we talk about the EV charging stations um, commercial m- includes retail comm- correct yes okay because it, it just didn't sound one to make want, wanted to make sure yeah that's um, based
4: on the new uh, use classifications that are used in chapter three
0: okay all right open space um, open space we have determined that open space doesn't necessarily mean green space right
4: that's correct okay. Which is a little bit different from the way we have, particularly in the commercial areas where there's a requirement for a landscaped open space that is different from open space. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. There was something, I may, Mr. Chairman, that that one question I asked on um, the setback along Route 7 and the, the parking, it may be something that we need to do in a motion or something different for that one. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I just want to clarify some things. So right now, the draft zoning ordinance does not count a garage as a half a space?
4: It counts a garage as a half space.
2: It so does. we accept the draft incorporates the Planning Commission recommendation of half space or garage. So the, if Correct. we didn't want that, we would need a motion to make it a full space? Correct. Okay. Conversely, right now, the draft ordinance sets us back 100 feet for a building and 75 feet for parking along uh, from Fairfax to, to Route 28. If we want to change that back the way it is, pursuant to staff's recommendation, we need a motion to change that back. Correctly. That is correct. Okay. Um, just so everybody's aware, uh, we don't plan to uh, make a motion to approve Chapter 7 tonight. Parking is going to be a major issue. That's going to come back. I've got it at least three or four motions and I'm thinking about to clarify language on parking so we will come back on I'm sure on chapter seven um, I want to point out to everybody um, there were a number of attachments that were sent out at 530 this evening in another supplemental and um, they're rolled into the final approval of chapter seven and all its attachments. So please make sure you read those attachments. They are comprehensive and extensive. Um, so when we get down to the point where we think we're gonna approve chapter seven, make sure you're aware of what those attachments say. Um, um, and I think those were all the questions I had on chapter seven in the presentation. Um, thank you very much, I appreciate that. We will move on to the stakeholders' comments and the first Stakeholder to speak will be Molly Novotny. Molly, if you can hold on one second. I'm. I'm. No. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. All right. Come on up.
9: Good evening, my name is Molly Novotny. I'm a planner at Cooley and pleased to be here before you tonight. I'm going to talk on two things briefly, parking, which you guys have already started the discussion on, as well as height. So, in terms of parking, I spoke at your first public hearing, asking for that garage space to be counted as a full parking space. The Planning Commission looked at parking in two ways. One, they looked to reduce the, the garage space to a half space, but at the same time, they also increased for the stacked units spaces to be off lot, and so they were they were capturing their desire to increase parking in two ways. We're fine with that added half space off lot for those stacked units, but we do think the parking garages should count as a full space. The second thing I'd like to talk about is building height, and right now in the current ordinance, building height, you need to account for what is adjacent to you in terms of building height, and it says your height can be reduced if you are adjacent to a district that has a lower height, a lower maximum height, and we wanna make sure that in table 7.01, a building height, that that maximum height includes height permitted by special exception. It's just, that's how staff um, perceives it today, and we wanna make sure that that's carried forward, that it would be the maximum height by special exception in an adjacent district. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Our next speaker is Bill Junda.
10: good evening thank you my name is bill junda i'm a civil engineer with gordon and tonight i'm representing the commercial development stakeholder group um, there are a number of staff motions tonight that align with the modifi- modifiability discussions from the last two weeks and we fully support all those motions again so we again thank staff for that um also wanted to thank staff for their hard work on the open space provisions uh, i think that's part of what the packet you got at 5:30. there was some things that were missing from the original packet um, we worked collaboratively with uh, Rick Hancock and his team and you know, the, the new ZOR does increase the requirement for open space on commercial and all properties, but commercial properties in particular. So the, the requirement goes up and we worked collaborative with Rick on some key studies, some projects on what the actual effect was and kind of fine tune that table a little bit. And while it's still more than we would like, we do support the changes that Rick is now proposing. So we appreciate staff's help with that. Um, As far as parking goes, I'll just say that I agree that the the full garage space should count in a residential unit. Um, That that becomes an enforcement issue uh, with HOA or towing or whatever it is if people are not using their garages and they're parking illegally. Um, We do also support uh, Kim Hart's motion that he's been working on for the alternative option for parking for AHUs. I think that's a good option. Um, we've looked at both the AMI reductions as well as the reduction he's, a, he's proposing. I think each of them work depending on the, your, your situation. Um, I'd also like to fully support motion number two that uh, hopefully uh, Supervisor Glass will bring forward. This is the motion I spoke about uh, last Thursday as well. This is really just to clarify the results of motion 29 from uh, September 26. The original motion was just to clarify that the new 200-foot setback from data centers to residential would still apply even if the two uses were separated by a road. Um, It was just a clarification motion and the way it got interpreted, uh, at least according to um, zoning administrator Mark Stoltz, was that the way it was worded, that 200-foot setback would be added to the road width. So like instance of like the Greenway, which is a 260-foot wide road, it would actually result in a 460 foot setback if you had the uses on either side. That was not the intent of that motion. That was not part of the discussion you all had at Committee of a Whole. So I ask that that just be clarified and fixed. Um, and with that, I'll be available to answer any other questions you have.
2: Thank, Thank you, Mr. Gender. Uh Next speaker, it was Aaron Swissholm. Good evening.
11: Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to speak before you this evening. I'm Aaron Swissholm. I'm an attorney at Walsh Colucci. Um, I, in particular, want to talk to you about that half space in the garage. Um, so, that appears two places in the draft ordinance. Um, it's in note one of table 7.06.02 and in the text of 7.06.11c2. Um, and I wanna note that this not only fails to recognize that most households, mine included, use those garage spaces to park in, but um, as Supervisor Brisman noted, it adds asphalt to projects. Um, that not only increases overall cost and disincentivizes the use of garages um, in dwelling units, which is integral for design in both the urban and suburban districts, Um, but it leads to real stormwater implications. That's not only an increased development cost, that's an increased um, carrying cost for HOAs uh, because they are ultimately responsible for the maintenance of those structures once they're installed. I also wanted to note uh, that (laughs) this Also, um, when paired with the additional um, open space requirements, which, um, again, I wanna echo Bill's uh, thanks to staff, Um, we've been working really collaboratively, Um, really does seem to prioritize parking over the inclusion of uh, open space or building space for units. Um, And that's particularly true because a lot of the development that's happening uh, in Eastern Loudoun is happening on infill or redevelopment sites, um, there are very few greenfield properties left. And so the properties that we're coming to you with um, for residential rezonings already have some warts um, or already have constraints to them. Um, and I think all we're asking, we understand um, you know, what staff is trying to get at. we understand and appreciate the board feedback. Uh, we just want to make sure uh, that that half space in the garage is really a full space uh, to both uh, make it easier for us to develop, to make it cheaper uh, for individual lot owners and HOAs, and to uh, allow us to protect more environmental resources. Uh, So thank you very much. Happy to talk to any of you about that more specifically as well, thank you.
2: Thank you, Ms. Husson, Mr. Hart.
12: Good evening, Mr. Chair and members of the board. I'm Kim Har. I build attainable housing. And I'm addressing issue number five tonight on page seven, which is the parking ratio for attainable housing. Uh, the staff, planning commission, and all of us in the housing industry actually agree that the parking ratio for attainable housing should be reduced. Uh, unnecessary parking spaces, unused parking spaces start at 10,000 a space for surface parking and go to or $40,000 per space for unused structured parking spaces. Not counting the land, not counting the infrastructure for stormwater, And then the empty spaces, as was just mentioned, also add unnecessary surface area, impervious surface area. Um, Staff has proposed in this draft, and the Planning Commission has agreed, that the the way to calculate that reduction should be tied to AMI. Uh, I and we in industry have two problems with that. There really isn't any substantive research yet that ties reduced parking to AMI. We'd like to have some, but it isn't there. And second, that AMI approach doesn't really match the research that we have done on the kinds of properties I build, which are the multifamily attached AHUs. And I would point out to uh, you, supervisor, that there is a difference between the multifamily attached properties, which are managed and have people that track that, and the uh, townhomes that, that you've been concerned about in your particular situation. Uh, we did, so we have over the years supplied two studies. Uh, I did one of, uh, for my properties, 322 dwelling units on three buildings. That was 1.2 parking ratio. Uh, and Kimberly Horn did one for uh, Mr. Capretti on uh, 958 units, that was 1.3. So uh, we th- I think that the, the 1.5, it does have quite a bit of space to have, make sure there's enough parking even after you go there. And, and I did realize in the reading the comments that staff had over the last uh, couple of weeks that I really had missed that whole part about there really is a difference on the, uh, the townhomes and the two over twos. So that's where we came to uh, the proposal I made over the weekend, that we really look at where the research is and we say it's okay to stick with the AMI for the townhomes and the two over twos, but I really would like uh, multifamily uh, AHUs to be treated separately because we do have good data on that, which is very supportable, and I'm pleased, very pleased that staff agrees that we might have a deal on that, so thank you.
2: Thank you, Mr. Hurt. Next up, Ms. Bingle.
13: Good evening, board members. Um, I'm Jen Bingle, representing Conservation and Preservation, stakeholder group five. We appreciate the chance to be heard and can't stress enough what a difference the current approach has meant for us up until today. As participants, we haven't been relegated so far to bystander status while the final critical decisions are being made to manage industry's concerns and implement our community's vision for the county's future at the same time. I do have to say our HOA colleagues should also have a seat at the table, but anyway. We appreciate staff's efforts to implement the comp plan and in the draft ordinance, and we're generally very pleased with the open space and development standards as they were previously proposed. So you didn't hear from us because we were happy. Um, So we don't like many of the changes that have been made to address the complaints, and we still have many questions about what has what's come out both in the first and second um, supplementals. So there are some questions that might be answered, but we haven't had a chance to look at them. Um, But specifically, our concerns mostly revolve around section 7.02, including all of the staff's proposed changes for that section of open space, um, where buffer screening changes and limited landscaping, getting a 50% factor, and uh, the table regarding open space eligibility. And um, in addition to that, we still have concerns on modifiability and questions that we probably need to sit with staff and get clarified. So as far as we're concerned, don't rush, please. Within the framework that we have, we still have questions that we'd like to get answered. Um, And regarding residential parking standards, Understand that we don't want more asphalt, but Loudoun is also not set up to um, easily take an alternative to driving your car, and that's a reality. So um, as long as we're not integrating our land use and transportation, we're gonna have this problem, and and we have to do that. Um, so, I wanna say that whether it's um, for market rate housing or for attainable housing, people need their cars to get around in Loudoun County. It's an unfortunate reality. I wish it were different, but I hope you'll consider these thoughts. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Ms. Bingle. And our final speaker is Mr. Michael Myers.
14: Hi, I'm Michael Myers, uh, representing Wildlife Conservation Stakeholders tonight. We are generally supportive of the previously proposed draft language in chapter seven in regards to open space, in particular, the qualifying characteristics for open space eligibility in table 7.02-2 for 150% open space calculations, especially including archeological and heritage resources, linear parks and trails, tree conservation areas, Virginia natural heritage resources, and wildlife habitat. While we initially offered other potential solutions, the previously proposed text does provide incentives to protect the more valuable open space areas Not all open space is equal and it is important to identify and protect ecologically valuable areas and to enlist subject matter expertise to ensure the quality and value of those areas. We do not support and have grave concerns about the drafted changes to section 7.02 in response to the concerns outlined in the original staff packet and supplemental two, number attachment four. These changes do not incentivize protecting valuable open space, rather they make it easier to include narrower and less valuable space in the calculations. Narrow strips on the edges of parking lots and buildings provide little to no value to wildlife or humans, and canopy trees initially planted in narrow spaces often do not survive, nor do we support exempting public facilities from open space development standards. These proposed changes are contrary to the purpose of the open space section of the Zoning Ordinance and the 2019 General Plan's open space goals. In addition, I am unsure of the potential implications of motion three regarding flexibility in the risk or buffer area. While we are supportive of finding ways to incentivize protecting existing trees, it doesn't make sense to sacrifice the risker minimum buffer width to do so. The minimum risker buffer and protecting trees should both be prioritized. These edits seem that it would result in less overall habitat being protected. Ending on a positive note, we want to um, express our support Um, for motions raised by uh, Supervisor Sains, numbers six and 13, to prohibit the planting of invasive species and defining invasive species. Requiring 80% native plants is a big step in the right direction, and prohibiting invasive species is another big step in the right direction to ensure that valuable and useful open space is created and protected in the first place. Invasive species cause a lot of economic harm to residents, businesses, and public facilities, and this edit will help lessen the future burden. Thank you for your time and consideration.
2: Thank you, Mr. Myers. Um, with that, I will take us into a committee of the whole. I move that uh, the board move to a committee of the whole. Is there a second? Second, uh, Supervisor Kirchner, any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? We are now in a committee of the whole. We have one minute on the clock, uh, as Chair Randall pointed out. We don't need timing during committee of the whole. I like to leave it up there anyway, as an encouragement for everyone to keep your comments brief, please, as we go through the motions. Um, There's sort of an insidious psychological response when you see zeros on the clock, and I like that response. So we're going to keep that there. Um, And we will move right into motions. First motion is motion number one, Supervisor Briskman.
5: Uh, Thank you, uh, Chair Turner. Um, I move motion one on section... 4.0602 data centers table 4.060201 facade standards.
2: Is there a, it's moved. Is there a second?
5: Okay. Moved um, and
2: seconded by Chair Randall. Go ahead. Uh, opening comments, Supervisor
5: Sure. Thank you. Um, so we, we discussed this a lot at our last session. Initially, um, Vice Chair Sains had a motion to require um, primary facades on all four sides of data centers, um, and that I think it was withdrawn, and then Supervisor Letourneau made a motion that we require the primary facade w- if there's roads or... Um, Residential, but I thought, and hopefully some of my colleagues agree, that we need to have primary facades. If we're going to, just if we're going to list where we have the primary facades, we better think exactly where we would want those primary facades. So we worked with staff um, to to kind of list out exactly where we would want primary facades. The I do have one question for staff and that is um, the th- one thing we thought might be missing here was the roads, which is what Supervisor Letourneau specifically wanted last session. So I'm open to a friendly foreigner, add add roads to it. But, um, oh, I'm out of time. Was it a minute? No, 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 it's It's, oh, just, a okay. guideline. it's just a guideline. Oh, okay, thanks. Um, anyway, I, the staff has no objection and, and they do point out something about big box retail. And I'll just say that we don't get complaints about big box retail <laughs> and big box retail aren't normally 100 feet tall uh, maybe they're two stories at the most they don't have big generators they don't make a lot of noise necessarily they might they might generate a lot more traffic but um i just don't think that's that's a a, a fair comparison um so i guess that's all i have for right now thank you
2: thank you Supervisor as brisbane any comments on motion resolve luterno
6: yeah um a couple comments first of all i think I'm very intentional in this topic and saying I do want to discourage data centers next to residential. So I'm okay with us having standards that apply to data centers here because I don't want them next to residential and I want everybody out there to know that. Um, that said, I do think we should have roadways as part of this, but I think it goes too far in some other areas. So the areas that I would not support having the full facade requirement would be Animal care business, companion, animal pet grooming, veterinary, clinic, postal service, civic, religious assembly, cemetery, limited brewery. And I'm not sure if I support financial services, food and beverage sales, servant, government, and retail. Government, I think, is a broad one that applies to a lot of different types of facilities. And I, I was gonna ask exactly what that covers, anything that could be a government use. I'm thinking, and Supervisor Brisman can can explain, that the idea with this was basically anything in which there could be people on the other side. I think that's probably a bit much, particularly if we did include roadways. Um, Some of these types of businesses are pretty common in flex industrial areas, Um, like limited brewery. There's quite a few of them mixed into our flex areas. So I'd be worried about exactly what the implications of that would be. So, um, I mean, I could certainly add the friendly related to roads, uh, public roadway. I don't know if you want me to try all these other ones I would take out, or we want to debate them individually, or how you'd like to...
2: We'll be here all our night if we start wickering the list of things yeah. that we want principal facade. Supervisor Brisbane, any suggestions on... I'd like to make a friendly to add hospitals to the list, so I, I don't know if my colleagues have others. Is there anything you'd like to say? Uh,
5: the hospitals were also on, in my notes as well. Um, I see some points on those. There are some that, that I think could probably be taken out. Um,
6: do we, just just, Mr. Chairman, I know we don't wanna keep prolonging things. Do we wanna haggle over this offline and then come back and do it? Why don't we do a,
2: that? Well, if, if you don't mind, Supervisor Rusman okay. are there other comments related to this that you'd like yeah. to make? Supervisor Glass?
8: I had a question. Yeah. So I wanted to ask staff. So does staff have a viewpoint on why we shouldn't use facades at front different zoning districts instead of facades at front different uses? So I think, um, you know, when I'm, I'm thinking about facades that are um, principal with residential and commercial you know i can understand having you know uh uh, you know having it around all the the four areas or three or you know how facing the residential or commercial versus it being in an industrial industrialized area
15: so staff Originally, I was looking at this from the perspective of the focus on residential, and, and really broadened what would trigger a principal facade to be not just existing, but anything approved, or even just a zoning district that permits residential, which is fairly broad, and especially in the specifics of some of these properties we're talking about. Um, beyond that, it was not ever a consideration to address data centers' adjacency to, other industrial uses for sure nor um, commercial and retail type activities because that's not really at least in our experience where we've heard the most concern expressed either directly by residents or by board members and planning commissioners as various applications have gone through
0: okay
2: thank you Uh, supervisor um
7: thank you very much mr chair i mean i i've expressed my concerns about this approach before i i do think that I don't, I don't know how we can argue that this um, approach would be fair, uh, given that it does not address big box retail. Um, if I look at the Costco in Leesburg, we've got one side that is a principal facade and three sides that are not, and there's nothing fancy about them. Target in Leesburg has at least two sides that are not principal facades, but they aren't required to, to gussy them up. Um, same applies to Kohl's. So you've got big box retail, no requirements like these being imposed on that, and yet the impact, from my perspective, is identical to that of a data center, and I'm not advocating that we should start requiring four principal facades on big box retail. Um, I, the lack of fairness in this provision bothers me a lot, and I don't think it's necessary. I would simply say that while I agree that a data center going in next to existing residential is not going to fill the residents with joy, there are a number of places where the data center use predates the residential rezoning, and to expect um, the pre-approved data center use to take a second seat, um, and uh, a after-the-fact set of requirements, I think also is not fair. The boards just never should have approved residential next to industrial property we're seeing this around the edges of Leesburg. And I imagine other places, I would not be able to support this motion as drafted.
2: Thank you, Supervisor Advisor Mr. Vice Chair. Uh, Thank you, uh, Chair. Um,
16: Yeah, I had conversations with Supervisor Brisbane offline before bringing you this, and I felt there are some that were, that are on this list that went a little bit too far. so, those were financial services, animal care businesses, companion animal, pet grooming, veterinarian services, postal service, civic. So, I'll be in favor of removing those. Um, and to staff, I just want to clarify. So, we, we're going to add in roads. Do we need to say residential as well, or is that covered already? Residential is already covered in the. Residential covers. I to make sure. Yeah, no, he said road, so I just wanna make sure residential was covered in a previous motion, so I just wanna make sure that was not overlooked with this one, and then to Supervisor uh, Umstead's comments, as, as staff just mentioned, we have n- not gotten any complaints, as far as I know, or I know my office hasn't gotten complaints about how uh, a box store looks uh, compared to the data centers, and that's why we're bringing these motions regarding some design standards and curb appeal, because we know uh, for a fact we are getting complaints uh, left and right, uh, uh, regarding their their appearances, and then, um, say you're you're not happy with uh, rezoning of da- of applications near residential. Uh, if memory serves me well. You vote for every single data center, um, be it uh, zone for it or zone for it, zone not for it. And there's plenty of applications that you voted for the rezoning, which were right next to residential or planned to be residential. So that's interesting that you're making those comments now about that. Um, So yeah, so hopefully we can come to an understanding on on this item because I think it's still a a good one uh, to have to make sure we have some principal facades um, near residential roads and and some of these uh, establishments that are listed on on the list. So thank you.
0: Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, A couple things. There's no such thing as a pre-approved data center zoning. There's no such thing as data center zoning. The zoning is commercial zoning, the zoning is office zoning, and there's no such thing as data center zoning, so it can't be pre-approved data center zoning. And a lot of this data center, a lot of this use that, that the data centers are on are from a time when a when a zoning ordinance was written, the, the words data centers didn't even exist. I mean, like, like, they literally did not exist. And so I don't know that we can make that, that jump. Um, I've been to the Coles at Leesburg. There's no helm within 200 feet of the Coles in Leesburg, so I, I don't I don't think that applies. I like the idea that maybe maybe taking a second and possibly because there's, there's a motion and a second the table, do uh, um, table it for a second to kind of do some grappling. You know, for instance, when we say religious assemblies, do we want to say standalone religious assemblies? Because houses of faith, by and large, are in neighborhoods. If they're standalone, a lot of houses of faith are in, you can find them in an industrial area, but it's hard to just go religious assemblies because that a religious assembly is the congregation. That's not the building. I'm not sure what we mean by religious assembly. Um, same thing with community center. So I, I think I, I get where Miss Brick's been trying to go, but I also get what Ms. Letourneau's trying to say. So somewhere in, <laughs> some, some of these things make perfect sense. Others don't not as much and, they, and we have to kind of clear up clear up what we're trying to say is are we, are we saying a, a house of faith? are we saying anywhere people gather and they're, and they're worshiping not the same thing and so and so we may need to just take a second table this so we can kind of weed out some of what we're trying to say here. Thank you mr. chairman.
2: Thank you madam chair. Supervisor do you have other comments.
6: I'm sorry, no, um, I would agree with what Chair Reynolds said. I'm
0: sorry? No, nothing.
2: Um, We have two options here. I think we can table this for future discussion and talk uh, offline and bring this motion back. If someone would like to do that, table it to a future session. I'll entertain that motion. Alternatively, we can split this motion and vote on each of these uses, up or down. Well, Which we, uh, we could probably do fairly quickly.
0: Well, uh, although we don't, we don't. With respect, Mr. Chairman, we don't have to table it for a future meeting. We can table it for today, and just we can, you can table things for 20 minutes from now to have like a discussion to try to, to figure something out. Uh,
2: I'll entertain that.
0: I'll make a motion to table this item for 20 minutes. No.
6: How about we just not say? We'll Let me the motion, ta- motion
0: to that. the table to, a, t- later to, this to a time certain later this evening. To, to, to a time not specified later this evening. Is there a second?
2: Sir, sure, second. Yeah. M- moved and seconded to table. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion is tabled until later this evening. <laughs> uh, I have been advised that Supervisor Glass has withdrawn motion number two. Uh, Does anyone else wish to make that motion?
7: I'll make that motion, Mr. Chair.
2: Supervisor Umstadt moves motion number two. Is there a second? I'll second. Uh, Seconded by Supervisor Kirshner. Discussion, Supervisor Umstadt.
0: For the purpose of, uh, point of. Order. Order, yes, for the purpose of the public, we may want to read the motion.
2: Uh, okay, we.
0: For the, for the motion maker, at least the top line, the motion maker should read the motion for the pur- purpose of transparency to the public.
2: All right, Supervisor Glass, would you like um, to read the. Supervisor Armstrong, uh, I'm sorry. All right,
7: this um, motion number two is on table 4.06.02 2.G data centers, setbacks, and building massing when adjacent to residential. Um, and this is to um, accomplish what I, may have been Mr. Junda um, brought up earlier, an unintentional inclusion of a road uh, as a, an addition to a 200 foot setback. Uh, this, this motion would correct that unintentional uh, increase in the setback where there was a road adjacent to a data center property.
2: Thank you. Other discussion, Supervisor uh, Chair Randall.
0: Um, I will not be supporting this motion, as far as I'm concerned. I'm sorry. A second. Yeah, a there was a Supervisor second. Second. Kurzban. Supervisor Kirsten. Kirsten. As I'm concerned, two hundred feet is still too close on to a residential neighborhood. I have no issue with the data center being a good deal further than that in the residential neighborhood. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Other comments. Uh, Supervisor Letourneau?
6: Yeah, I don't. I kind of question the notion that this was unintentional. I, I don't think it was. Uh, my intent was 200 feet from the edge of a road, regardless of what road, regardless of how big the road is, 200 feet from the edge of a road that a car could travel on or somebody could see. So the way I read this, that would allow the road to include, be included in that 200 feet, and I do not want that, so I will vote no. Okay.
2: Other comments? Close, Supervisor Amstead.
7: Uh Thank you, Mr. Chair. The problem with um with voting this down, is you then would enable a residential community adjacent to a data center to have less protection than basically a road or a residential community um, across a road from a data center. And to me, even if your goal is to protect passers-by from the view of a data center, that that makes no sense. I I don't see the logic in doing it that way. I think Supervisor Glass's uh, proposed motion for tonight made a lot of sense, Um, so I would ask for support. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
2: moved and seconded. Uh,
0: May I ask for a point of clarification? Supervisor, I'm I'm, I'm not, I, I can you say what you just said again it I, can you can you can you explain that one more time because I, I I didn't catch what you were trying to say there all right this
7: this is the same thing I I said before when this um, when this issue first came up at a, a previous meeting under if if we vote this down what we are doing is saying that um, A data center can be put in adjacent to a residential community with a 200-foot setback. That community will then be 200 feet from the data center. However, by saying that the road can be an additional barrier for another residential community, you're now going to have a residential community against a road having a much greater setback from the data center than the residential community that is adjacent to the data center without a road intervening. So that's the situation we are setting up, which probably isn't gonna make the people in the immediately adjacent residential neighborhood all that happy um, because they won't get the additional 160 feet, whatever the width of the greenway, um t- to benefit them in the way that a community on the other side of uh, let's just say the greenway would benefit.
2: Thank you, Supervisor Glass.
8: Um, thank you. I I think I need some clarification because I'm I'm thinking that if this if there's a four-lane road that's a hundred feet across, right? That's 100 feet, so then wouldn't they have to have f- another 100 feet set back from the road to make the 200 feet in order for it to have that much setback against, um, against the residential area? Or if the road is 150 feet, then that... Am, am i right now
2: and anybody please correct me if i'm wrong right now the motion is the a 200 foot setback from residential and the way it's written right now that is that does not include the width of the road so if the road's 100 feet wide the requirement right now is a 200 set, foot setback from the edge of the road plus 100 feet road so it's 300 foot setback your, the motion, or the motion that supervisor Umstad has made, says include the road in the setback width. So if you if you want your your requirement is a two hundred foot setback and it's a hundred foot wide road, then your setback one hundred feet from the edge of the road. The way it sits right now, without the motion, it's two hundred feet from the edge of the road. Any 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 other questions? Yes. Yeah.
1: So I think I think uh, another way of saying this is. Is the goal here to keep a, a setback 200 feet from any portion of the residential property or from the houses themselves? Because I think what, what Supervisor Armstead is saying, you could have houses here and a data center here and have a 200 foot setback. Or you could have houses here, a road, and then an additional 200 setback. So now you have 300, 350 feet from the houses. And so, is if the goal in the motion is, we want to make sure there's 200 feet from houses, then this motion makes sense. If your goal is, no, I want 200 feet from the property where this road is on, then you don't want the motion. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I think, I think, I think the, the debate is, do you want it from the homes or do you want it from anywhere in the neighborhood?
2: And, and I think the debate is more fundamental than that. For me, the, the debate is we should not be talking about data centers next to residential, period. Therefore, if we're going to have the conversation of of data centers next to residential, anything that makes it further away is okay with me. I don't want a data center next to a residential neighborhood. It's ding, ding, pretty
0: straightforward.
2: Yeah, Madam
0: Chair. Yeah, that, it, and and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm really not. If if Supervisor Umstead, if Miss if what, if what, Mr. Supervisor Turner just explained is, is not correct, then, and, and, I'm, and if I'm missing something, and I'm, not, I'm dead serious, if I'm missing something, help me out, because Mr. Turner's explanation was the one that seemed to make sense to me, and, and actually Mr. Kirshner said the same thing. They both pretty much said the same thing, which is if you want a data center just 200 feet and no more then then this is a good motion if if you want to include the road which would make it more than 200 feet possibly then then you're not voting for this one that's how i heard that so i um, if if you're trying to say something different help me understand what you're trying to say because otherwise at this moment i'm not going to support this motion unless there is something i'm missing
7: um okay uh staff staff wrote a fairly simple description of what the motion does. This motion does not reduce the minimum required 200 foot separation between data centers and residential, but clarifies that intervening roads can be included in the setback measurement. So what it creates is a fundamental inconsistency in this zoning ordinance if what the board wants to do is increase the setback from residential so in one location you're going to have a 200 foot setback from an adjacent residential community in another situation you're going to have a road between the data center plus a 200 foot setback from another group of homes. So you've got an in, inconsistency built into the zoning ordinance if this motion fails. And and that's, that's what I think is, okay. certainly I would like to correct, um, but I, that's what some of us are trying to correct, that you have a consistent rule for data centers next to residential.
0: But at the very least there will be no less than two hundred feet no matter what. Okay, I'm cool. I, I know what okay. I I
5: I won't be supporting the motion. I mean we <laughs> we the it was intentional that we actually added the road to the buffer. In a, in any case, it gets data centers farther away from homes and so I won't be supporting the motion. The motion allows data centers to be to use a road as a 200-foot buffer and nothing else. So they could build the data center right to the curb and say, oh, you know, there's houses across the street. Well, okay, you're shaking your head. Probably there's some dimension of setback no matter what. Okay, I agree with you. There's some amount of setback, but I don't want the road to be included as part of the setback. It should be on their property. Thank you. Thank you. Just
6: make a point of parliamentary inquiry, I don't mean to be a a smart you-know-what. In Cal... Do we not have the same rules with open, closing, debate in the middle? Because, like, we seem to be all over the place here. It, I thought she I was about
2: to move the previous question.
6: But but so. don't we – our, would our standard – going forward for the rest of the night, would our standard practice be opening, debate, closing, that, like normal?
2: N- we're in a committee of the whole.
6: But I, I believe the rules – that doesn't mean those rules don't apply. I mean, we could uh,
0: – If I could – yeah. Normally, you don't have motions in the committee as a whole. Right, but that's when you the, that's, but do, when, but when you do, you can do, you can do what he's doing. It's a committee as a whole, but normally committee as a okay, whole. Okay, that's what I'm a Discussion just, outside of a motion, but if it's inside of a motion, you can't. Then, I'm more asking
6: because yeah. if I want to speak again after somebody's already given a close yes, you I mean, can I can't. You okay. can If that's can. how we're going to do it, you can it. Right. I was under the impression we weren't doing. No, okay. yeah,
2: you can. I'm not in sure we should be, but okay. And with that, I move the previous question. Is there a second? I have a second from Supervisor Briskin. That's not debatable. All those in favor of cutting off debate, say aye. 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 I moved the the previous question, so that's a move to cut off debate, so we have to vote on that. So all those in favor of cutting off debate. Hold on.
6: Can we get – we don't need to do that.
2: I didn't want to do another round of comments, and there were still lights on.
6: I agree, but – I th- that's why. Okay, let's give Red some of this motion, and then let's ask Tim over there and Courtney, who I think are looking this up right now, for some clarification.
17: <laughs> Mr. Chairman, yeah, I really would ask the board's pleasure, the chair's pleasure, and the board's pleasure, if staff can just talk technically about how this would work, because the setback needs to be taken from a property line, or a right-of-way line. So. I'm having trouble following the discussion as to how we get a setback with an intervening road because the setback would have to be from the abutting right away line, not from an imaginary line across the street. So I, I really think staff needs to explain how this would work technically so that the board understands exactly what it's voting on. All
2: right, I withdraw my motion to the previous question. Staff, can we talk about this? What's the language Explain right now? It's a 200-foot setback. How do you interpret that?
15: So I I would need to pull up the language to see if it was specific last time, but from from a general standpoint, if the setback is from the zoning district boundary where the data center or the residential is allowed, that would incorporate the potential for a right of way to be within it. So if you've got a residential boundary here, a right of way that's some various length, let's say it's 150, 200 feet would be from this point. So you'd go another 50 feet and that would be your minimum that's allowed but to Supervisor Brisbane's point earlier, that district is gonna have its own setbacks, which may be 50, maybe greater, depends on what that specific district is. So in ev- on every individual property, that distance is still gonna have some, some um, it, it can be different from property to property. If the intention is for that to be from the district, then this motion is not necessary. If it is for there to be a 200 foot setback, when property lines are adjacent to a budding, whichever term you want to use residential properties, then it would go from the front property line across that street, 200 feet from there. So the question from is, the what property is, line from the, from the, let's, in this case, let's call it the front property line of the data set of property. So the question is what the board. Therefore that
2: sounds it, to me like the motion's not needed. That, that that all the motion is saying is what exists now.
15: If the, because I've heard different things from the board members, if the board wants the road to be allowed to be included, then the motion's not needed. We'll just make sure that the language that's that's incorporated references the the zoning district boundary.
2: Now you just lost me. Um, Now you just lost me, because if you're saying, the question is which,
15: is it from the zoning district boundary or your front property line? That's the question for the board. Where is it 200 feet from? Because if it's from the zoning district line, then it can incorporate the right-of-way already. I've heard a number of board members say they do not want that to happen.
2: But that would require a motion to specify that the 200 feet has to be from the edge of the road, the right-of-way, not from the property line. I
15: think, I think regardless of the previous motion, at this point it would be best for the board just to clarify where they want that 200 feet from. The, the, front bound, the front property line of the data center property or from a zoning district that would allow residential.
2: All right. We've got a motion on the table, seconded, that the 200-foot setback will be from the district boundary slash property line and include a right of way. Do I have that correct? Does everybody agree with that? Can, Can I the have motion a motion that's on the table that seconded is to include any right of way in the 200-foot setback?
1: Can I ask a clarifying question? Sure. Sure. So, doesn't it matter? Does it not matter whether the right of way is on which? whether it's on the residential or the data center, zoning district, it, would that not make a difference? It wouldn't because roads are not zoned, typically. Okay. Okay. So how do you understand, the, can I, when, how do you understand this motion then? Because now I'm a, I'm a little bit more confused. The, if the, the
15: end intent of this motion, as I would read it, would be for this to count from the zoning district boundary. So in this case, the scenario we're kind of generally talking around, on the other side of the road, the edge of that residential zoning district, 200 feet from there.
2: Gotcha. Including the road. Including, including the road. Okay, good. And that's, that's the way it is right now, without this motion? Or this motion will clarify that that's, that's how we want it to be? This motion will clarify that. Okay. Everybody got that? So that, that's the motion that we have and seconded right now to clarify that, that it includes the right-of-way. Any other discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, please say no. 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 That motion will fail. uh, 2-6. Correct? 2-6, yeah, that motion will fail 2-6-1. That's right, 2-6-1. Well, that was fun.
0: Mr. Chairman, can we, do you mind if we take a a Can we take a five minute break, please? We
2: absolutely can. Let's take a five minute break. Please try and hold it to five minutes and we can discuss motion number one. If you'd like to do that. that. Yeah, that's probably true. Thank you, everybody, for your tolerance. We're working on motion number one and refining that language. Um, Without objection, I'm gonna take us out of a Committee of the Whole to try and get some structure back into the discussion, which kind of got off the rails, so we are now out of the Committee of the Whole, and we will assume normal protocols with three minutes on the clock, and please don't feel obligated to take up all three minutes as we go (laughs) through these motions. All right, I believe uh, Supervisor Briskman would like to amend her previous motion.
5: Thank you, um, Chair Turner. I move the Board of Supervisors um, approve motion one, section four, well, motion one as amended as follows. In number two, to remove financial services and government from the list. In number three, to remove companion animal pet grooming, veterinary services, Postal Service Civic, to remove those uses. In number three, add hospital to number three. And that's it.
2: And it was seconded by Chair Randall. Are you okay with that amendment, Chair Randall? Um, For a second? So... Supervisor
6: Brisbane, was an animal care also coming out?
0: She said that.
6: No, she said companion animal. I'm sorry. Yes, animal I
5: care businesses. Yes, yeah. there's two different ones. There are two different ones. You're right. We'll take that one out as well. That's fine. And limited,
0: you and to brewery, you didn't want to take out.
5: I can explain.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, I will say yes, and then wait for your explanation. Okay. okay. Opening comments for Supervisor Brisbane.
5: Thank you. So, um, thank you everyone for your patience. I really appreciate it um i'll work from that one madam chair limited brewery is only a rural use it's called something else if it's um in a different policy area it's manufactured something something um it's called uh, craft beverage manufacturer in in other parts of the county so we're just adding extra protections to those re- uses in the rural area church uh, sorry religious assembly by staff step or by the definition in the zoning ordinance rewrite draft Includes structures and structured buildings. So the the term assembly means something a little bit different than we might think people assembling together And so uh, I'm recommending we keep that in there because it would it would protect a church or a synagogue Um, And then uh, adding hospital obviously And I think that's everything Thank You chair Turner
2: Motion as amended is made and seconded in any other discussion questions Supervisor Turner
6: Thank you, so just on that religious institution point, just for everyone's clarity. So if we're talking about a industrial park, say Dulles Trade Center West or something, and a religious institution is using one of those spaces, this definition of religious institution does not apply to that. It does apply.
7: It does apply.
6: It does not, or it does apply? Does It does. It does apply. Well, that's that's okay. the opposite of what our discussion in the recess was. <laughs> um, so. so
5: the discussion, if I might, uh, Chair, if I might, uh, Matt, Matt, in your time, um, the discussion was the difficulty with this is the flex industrial areas where an assemblage might go. And that would mean that if there's already a data center built next to that flex industrial area, and then an assembly goes in there, that the the facades would be out of compliance, but they wouldn't be. Um, there would not be a remedy for that because it's a. Yeah, s- but a use if that I may in.
6: reclaim, my concern would be though is I would not want to stop a data center from going into an industrial park, going as a future or or at least requiring a facade because. I agree. On a new data center, there's somebody's renting in an industrial park that is a religious institution. So I think that one should come out is is where i'm going
5: <laughs> does does staff have any way to resolve this to protect the structures that are independent and and protect the flex industrial areas industrial areas freestanding i don't but we don't want to have a new definition go in that's the problem
10: now we may need some time to think Sorry. about it but i guess when you get into requirements based on the uses solely it doesn't matter what zoning district it is there are certain districts that allow multiple uses so okay all right um,
6: since
2: we're still right, the i'll time, let, let i'll me, take
5: it out just to get it passed tonight and if I, if we want to revisit it if staff can give me some we'll call uh, another motion. motion we'll yeah. call that a friendly and it's accepted
2: yeah so that's taken okay. out.
6: okay yeah that was going to be my suggestion for tonight let's get it out and then if we'll find a different definition anyway other than that i think we came to an agreement on most of these issues um and it's a little bit of a compromise.
2: Any other discussion on this motion from Hill?
3: <laughs>
2: Hearing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye. Aye. That motion will pass uh, 6 to all right. all right, motion uh, number three, that's a staff motion and I will make that motion. Um, uh, I MOVE SECTION 6.01.C, RIVER STREAM CORRIDOR RESOURCES RISKER DETERMINING THE WIDTH OF THE RISKER, um, AND I'M GOING TO READ THIS ONE BECAUSE IT'S A LITTLE COMPLEX. I MOVE THAT THE BOARD DIRECT STAFF TO REVISE SECTION 6.01 C TO INCLUDE A NEW PROVISION THAT ALLOWS ADDITIONAL FLEXIBILITY FOR THE RISKER BUFFER AREA AS FOLLOWS C, DETERMINING THE WIDTH OF THE RISKER. The risker must be provided in accordance with Table 6.01-1. Unless a property is located entirely within risker, any risker buffer area located beyond the applicable minimum width of the risker in Table 6.01-1 may be reduced in accordance with the following. One, by providing an area or areas of revegetation elsewhere on the same property, that is equivalent in size to the area that the risker buffer is reduced by and contiguous to an existing naturally vegetated area or two by retaining an existing forested area or areas outside of and adjacent to the risk or buff area in a tree conservation area consistent with the, the facility standards manual subject to approval by the zoning administrator. Is there a second? Second, second by Supervisor Briskman. Discussion i would just like staff to address miss bingle's comments earlier on was it miss bingle i can't remember there was a discussion and comments on re- reducing the risker um, can you just address those real quick thank you
18: Brian. sure so we got a motion from a supervisor a while back that was um, proposing to um, let the the risker with be modifiable by 10 percent. i think it was and we looked at chapter six and found that it was already modifiable, but that it included a big typo and wasn't very clear. So what this motion does is it clarifies how the the risker might be modified, and it includes the same language um, that we have in the um, Scenic Creek Valley buffer in the current ordinance. And that allows the zoning administrator to modify um the width um, by by zoning determination which is administrative
2: okay thank you thank you any questions for stamp yeah supervisor return
6: yeah so is i couldn't really tell is the revegetation requirement the same as it was in the 93 ordinance or did it change we'll
15: have to check to verify what's in revised 93.
6: okay um because I mean, if we're if we're doing replanting, there may be some logic to having more than a one-for-one one on that, just because. Uh, so, I guess I'll I'll support this tonight, but I'd be interested in that.
2: Sure. Okay, Supervisor
7: Umsted. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Can staff provide two scenarios: one if this doesn't pass, and another if it does. Let's say you have um, a farm adjacent to a stream um can can you give give us a sense of exactly how this changes that property owner's experience
18: I think the way it works now is the applicant needs to provide a graphic that shows what they're preserving, um, where the reduction is located, and that gets evaluated by zoning staff. And I think we send it on referral to the, the natural resources team in building and development, and they also look at it. They might even go out and inspect the site um, to ensure that um, the 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 right areas are being preserved. Um, and I did just confirmed that this revegetation concept is new. This is not in the current ordinance, okay. but the other language is, is in there.
7: I didn't catch or understand any of that last part, how, so you explained how it currently works, what happens, what changes?
15: So this allows them to reduce reduce a buffer width in one area, while expanding that buffer width in a number in another area. Under number two, under number one, it allows them to reduce that buffer width by taking the area that it's reduced by and basically relocating it um, as revegetation adjacent to other contiguous areas of natural vegetation. So it's just providing flexibility. If you want to reduce that width, you can use one or the other option.
2: All right, okay, thank you. Other questions, comments? I have one. Um, If the purpose of the risker is to protect a river and stream corridor resource, and you come up with a formula for a width of area that you need to protect that resource, and then you allow someone to build into that buffer around that resource will allow them to compensate elsewhere away from that resource. Haven't you, isn't the net result regarding the resource, vis-a-vis just the resource, isn't the net result a negative for that resource, no matter what you've done elsewhere on the site? I mean, I think, it would, I think it may have been Mr. Myers that said he's worried about us playing around with the risker, and it sounds to me like you're taking things out of the specific purpose of that band of land around that resource and allowing people to, die, to dig into it and then replace it elsewhere on the property in a way that does not benefit the resource you're trying to protect.
15: So I think that would be generally accurate. Obviously, every property is different, and the, the width of... All of the various things that would be around that stream um, may ultimately still provide enough protection for the stream, even if you're reducing that to one area. But uh, in this case, since it is limited to zoning administrator uh, the zoning administrator's modification process, it could be no more than 20%. So there is a modification there is a limitation on it. Elsewhere in the ordinance, however, if the board would want to place a limitation here that would be smaller than that to to limit how much leeway they would have to your point, then that would be something staff could be supportive of
2: too. Okay, so that right now there is a 20% limit on how much they can do this. Did I hear that correctly?
15: Yes, for anything that can be modified administratively by the zoning administrator, there's an an overall limitation of 20% that that it can be modified by. Anything beyond that would go to the board. Okay, I'm going to give the
2: staff the benefit of the doubt. You guys have researched this a whole lot more than I have. so any other questions or comments motion been made and seconded all those in favor please say aye aye, aye. any opposed that motion will pass uh, with mr. Sainz off the dais that motion will pass 7 uh, 1 uh, next motion is a staff motion I will make that one um, and at this point, uh, you'll note over in the um, remarks section or in the staff background of the section, the same phrase, this motion is a result of the board zoning ordinance rewrite working group discussions on modifiability held September 19th, 2023 and October 4th, 2023. I just want to clarify with staff before we take these votes. Um, so basically, you, you, this is a re- direct result of the modifiability discussions we've had and you've incorporated those discussions into these. You've codified those discussions into these. and so. We want to be very careful if we change anything based on the agreement that we've had with with the stakeholders. Is that correct?
15: Yes, codification might be slightly strong because these are essentially expressing the idea. You're directing us to go and execute that idea. So there's not um, redlining here, but yes. Okay, very
2: good. Thank you. Uh, With that in mind, and I will move a motion for section 7.03, tree canopy requirements. Is there a second? Second. Second with Supervisor Kirshner. Any discussion? I have no opening comments. Seeing no discussion, I have no close. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass uh, 801. Uh, I will move motion five, section 7.04.02, Street Trees. Uh, uh, Again, this was a result of the modifiable working group. Uh, Is there a second? second? Second by Chair Randall. I have no opening comments. Any discussions on this item? Uh, one discussion item uh,
5: yes um, if I might ask staff uh, so we had an issue with the cascades marketplace revitalization in that there are mature street trees and staff was concerned that it wouldn't be compliant with our new regulations of how large a bed should be for a street tree I don't know if any of you remember this happening but the idea was they would have had to have, like ripped out the street trees that are already there for 20 years and then make a better, I don't know what you call it, a bed for the tree and replant a tree. And the Cascades Marketplace folks, I believe, were able to get a Z mod so they didn't have to do that. But my concern with street trees, and this might have to be another topic, but I just wanted to bring it up tonight. My concern with street trees and revitalization is that we aren't taking out mature st- trees in order to come up to compliance with some of our environmental initiatives if that makes sense so does that is this contemplated at all in the zoning ordinance rewrite and if not should i bring a motion about that
4: um actually in 703 e there is a section on deviations on tree planting specifically. So maybe we can talk to you and your staff and make sure that we account for that.
5: Okay, perfect, thank you. Uh, thank you, I just wanted to bring that up tonight and kind of preview that we might need to do something a little different, thank you. Thank you. Happy to support. Uh,
2: any other comments? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. Uh, Supervisor this <laughs> motion is motion number six.
16: All right, thank you, and actually I'll read the whole thing since it's a new one. Um, I move that the board direct staff to add a new provision to section 70407b2f Point F to prohibit the planting of invasive plants as follows, F, native plant and pollinator habitat requirements to support native plant and pollinator habitats. Uh, plant units must be provided as follows, one, native plant requirement a minimum of 80% of the plant units must consist of native plant species, and two, pollinator habitat requirement a minimum of 75% of, all of the small Decadence trees and shrubs provided must produce conspicuous flowers at some point during their growing season. And three invasive plant prohibition planting any invasive plant species is prohibited.
5: Second.
2: Second by super I'm gonna take that second. No. I'm
16: going
3: to
2: take that a second. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working for the last month. I'm going to take that a second. <laughs> Move by uh, Supervisor Saints and seconded by Supervisor Turner. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> opening comment. Uh, thank you, Chair. Yeah, um, you know, uh, you mentioned that uh, you, you
16: reached out by the Loud and Invasive group, and they did a good job of reaching out, to, I believe, to all of our offices. We took a meeting with them. They provided some good uh, contacts and information. As you know, we've had some issues with some... Uh, some invasive uh, species plants and, and they've brought some, uh, how can I say, some bad, bad actors to our to our area uh, as of late. One is the, I guess what is it, the, the Spotted Lantern and then some other things as well. So um, in order to kinda make sure these things don't happen, uh, or continue to happen and happen moving forward, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, of making sure we're at least 80% native plants here in the county. I think is a step in the right direction. I was mentioned earlier, and um, hopefully we can get everybody to support support this and 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 get this initiative moving forward. I know Mr. Turner has a, a BMI coming uh, coming mm-hmm. tomorrow that'll also
2: um, take some action in, in this um, in this area. So thank you. And just briefly, I do have BMI coming tomorrow on invasives, and Mr. Littman, Mike Littman, and his group will be here tomorrow. Uh, with a number of comments uh, supporting this new program. It's a very interesting program, and I think it's uh, very worthwhile. So I'm more than happy to second this. Supervisor, I'm sorry.
7: Yes, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Just clarification on this. Uh, Do do these rules apply solely to developers um, building a new community, or do they impact everybody who lives in the county?
5: Something
18: that she did though. It should just apply to new developments in the county.
7: All right, but when you say that, does it apply to the initial plantings by the developer or does it apply to homeowners, subsequent plantings on their own properties?
4: I believe it's just in the initial phase. Um, I, I, there is a companion in, in a related element in the open space requirements, where they have to constantly maintain the open space, but that's a little bit different than what's being proposed here, and this is just on those original development plans.
7: Okay, it doesn't sound like we're certain about that.
4: The development, as they as they come forward and we review the plans, don't take into account future changes by a homeowner on a particular site, unless we require an additional permit for that, which we don't require zoning permits for landscaping. And do
7: you believe there is no way that this provision could be used to prevent a homeowner from planting an invasive species of plant if that is what the homeowner wanted to do? That there is no way that this restriction would then be applied later to a homeowner?
4: I do not believe that that would be the case. Because we're not looking at plant units for individual homeowners. There isn't a trigger that would require a a review. So they have to meet these requirements before they can get their site plan approved or their development approved. And then after subsequently for the homeowner itself, there there isn't right they, they would be able to do it there isn't that's not contemplated in the zoning ordinance and i yeah just
10: to tag on to that I, I do think that is correct it would only be where staff is reviewing a plan where landscaping is required that we would review this and and apply it so if some if a homeowner just goes and plants we don't review that kind of thing so this would not come into play in that situation
8: all right thank you sure i'm in class Thank you, Chair Turner. I just wanted to thank Supervisor Saines. I'm sorry, Vice Chair Saines, for um, bringing up this motion. Um, I also had a conversation with Mr. Littman, who's one of my constituents, and um, they had. He had given me a lot of information regarding invasive um, plants, and um, we had a discussion about the Bradford pear, where you know a lot of. Um, of the homes that in my neighborhood had that, and I know we had one in our yard, and then one storm came and just came tumbling down, and and then when he told me and you know found out that it's you know that is an invasive um, tree and that it suppresses growth in layers below and it um, it alters the soil, you know and, and those those are things that we don't really know about these plants that we you know that are. Um, that are put in. And so I'm so glad that we are really um, making the change to make sure that we have a native um, species um, to be planted in our areas. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Supervisor Briskman.
5: Thank you, Chair Turner. Um, Well, part of the reason I wanted to second this motion is because um, I think that I wanted to give uh, some credit to my planning commissioner because I i strongly believe that the reason applications are now coming to us on a regular basis with an 80 percent native planting requirement is because she has been falling on her sword for this issue the entire term and now it's just a regular thing because they know they can't get past my planning commissioner without putting 80 percent native in there and uh, also uh, consistently asking for pollinator areas um, on applications Um, also as uh as an officer with the cascades hoa she's been doing this in our community in Algonquian for years and years in one of the largest hoas in the county and i believe that she also pretty much drafted the the helped draft the initiative that you guys are bringing forward so um that was my my interest in seconding the motion but um, i'm really glad that we're going to do this i think that you know it's going to help the environment in the end and i'm um, really happy to support thank you thank you uh, Supervisor Le Turner.
2: Yeah, um, I'm
6: actually a, a co-sponsor with Supervisor Turner on that um, item tomorrow. Um, the point I just want to make in response to Supervisor Umstead is, I think th- the idea here is only forward-looking. So, so essentially we have this existing issue in the county, but um, we just don't want to double down on it. So you know, for instance, there's a new section of an existing master development that has an application in, they have, they'll have tree plantings, we want to make sure even though in the past they may have planted certain trees that we would now consider invasive species, they don't do that going forward. So it only applies at that level. Um, there's not a, you know, not a homeowner requirement or anything like that. So I will support. Supervisor
2: Staines, closing. All set. No closing. Uh, motion's made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. Uh, the next. One, two, three motions are all modifiability motions from the September uh, 19th working group. Uh, I'll make these motions. Uh, I move motion seven, section 7.06.10, compact, walkable, urban, CW, uh, parking distance. Uh, this is a staff motion. Um, is there a second? Second, second by Chair Randall. I have no comment on this. Any other discussion on the uh, motion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass, 801. Next motion is motion number eight. I'll make that. Uh, I move section 7.07.01, private roads providing access to single-family detached dwelling units. Um, And uh, is there a second? Second by Chair Randall again. Uh, I have no opening, any items, questions? This is a
6: question on this, it's gonna be one of those things that you guys are probably gonna to have to go back and research, but I do have several communities that have single family homes on, on private roads, and I'm just curious if in the past it always required a modification, or if at some point it did not.
15: I can't guarantee every time, but yes, this is this is going back to put in modification language that was similar, what was in the revised
2: 93 any other comments questions all those in favor please say aye aye Aye. any opposed that motion will pass 801 motion number nine Um, I move uh, motion number nine table 7.07.02-1 road pattern and distance between intersections requirements by zoning district second by Supervisor Glass I have no opening questions comments Supervisor Laterno
6: so is this through z or is this administrative?
15: Are you asking what the motion?
6: What the motion would account
15: what The motion like? would make it um, a legislative approval on a concept development plan.
6: Okay. So we have to come to the board. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm still a little bit on the fence on this. You well know that I have stepped in on some of these situations. Um, but... I feel a little better that at least it's board review. Um, So I'll think about (laughs) my, my concern is just, I think there are some of these situations where um, well, you know, first of all, VDOT won't probably approve them anyway. um, So we waste a lot of time on this. And then when they do, I'm not sure they should sometimes um, based on the experience of, of um, the real world, which, they don't always have. So um, if we put this provision in there, I guess we're just allowing somebody to ask for it, so I can probably live with it, but we'll see.
2: Other comments, questions? motions made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. We are not going to uh, vote to endorse chapter seven because we've got a whole lot of more questions and motions potentially coming on chapter seven. Next motion is motion number 11. That is Supervisor Buffington's motion, which has been carried forward, I think, twice so far. Um, and um, I'm not going to make that one, though, because I don't fully understand it, but I'm open to anybody who would like to make that motion in Supervisor Buffington's behalf.
0: I, I not that I understand or don't understand. I just think that it's not he he will be back before we close this process out And so I think we can carry it until he comes back.
2: Okay, then we will let that one sit uh, yeah, let's see what do we have left the Motion 12 is a an addition to chapter 12 motion 13 is Yeah, I think we can do 13 uh, Supervisor Sange, you want to make that motion? Yes, sir. I move that the Board
16: direct staff to include a definition of the term invasive plant in Chapter 12. Definition as follows. Invasive plant, plant species intentionally or accidentally introduced by human activity into a region in which they did not involve and cause harm to natural resources, economic activity, or humans, plus any plant from any of the following categories. A, plants, a plant shown on the Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation Virginia Invasive Plant Species list. B, plant shown on the United States Department of Agriculture official source for invasive or noxious um, plant species. And if I said that wrong, please correct me. Second. Motion made, seconded by Supervisor Briskman, opening statement. Nope, I'll just say, um, again, I think this is a step in the right direction. Uh, thank you to, again, the Loud and Invasive uh, group and to my staff, uh, Christy and Tiani, for their, their efforts on this and doing the research and and uh, finding these lists, and I think this is a, this is a good thing. Okay,
2: Supervisor Brisman.
5: Oh, I'm good, thank you. Sorry, okay. accidentally.
2: Any other comments, questions? All those are Question. I'm sorry? Yes, ma'am.
5: Yes, thank you. Um,
7: so the way I read this, that in, in general, we are not restricting invasive plants unless they cause harm to natural resources, economic activity, or humans and then a separate category plus any plant from any of the following categories, and then you have A and B, lists of plants. Are the plants on these two lists um, causing harm to natural resources, economic activity, or humans, or do some of the plants on those two lists not not do any of those harmful things?
18: We did vet this um, definition with NRT and they agreed that the plants that were listed were causing the harm in our area, so yes.
7: So they're causing harm, Mm -hmm. okay, thank you.
18: Any other comments, thoughts, questions?
2: Motion's made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801 and I will back up and I will make motion number 12. Uh, which is the incremental addition. I move that the board direct staff to add a definition of incremental addition to Chapter 12 as follows. Incremental addition, in addition to an existing zoning district that does not meet the minimum zoning district size, incremental additions will be required to meet zoning district requirements identified in the respective zoning district. Additions that exceed the minimum zoning district size must meet all zoning district requirements. Is there a second? I second. Second from Supervisor Briskman. I have no opening and no discussion. Questions
0: or comments, Supervisor, uh, Chair Um, Randall? First of all, this is a fine motion, no problem at all. I want to, like, literally start right now, and and I'll go right through October 30th on this discussion. Um, Staff, and Dan especially, what you all have done over the past month um, has been extraordinary. And I want to just take a second and say that the amount of... Meetings you've been in, the amount of time you've put in, the amount of um, listening and changing on the fly, the amount of creativity and ideas that you've come up with in the last month—all everyone, but. But you know, I, I believe in publicly thanking people. Dan, you have cracked me up to be quite honest over the past couple, because <laughs> you have this look on your face sometime when you know you got it right and just it's just a great look. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I'll talk about the, 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 the stakeholder industry group area and, and, and we'll do all this later. But just to last, the, the amount of time you and Kate have spent just in the past week, has been extraordinary, and so many of these uh, things that we're passing tonight with staff approval came from all these work sessions that we had, we've had, with the community and with stakeholders. And if you see, you know, the stakeholders have not said they want everything to be exactly what they—they've said they want it, you know, to be in the process and listened to and collaborating and working. And that is that has happened in a very, very rare way. The past, um, gosh, I don't know six weeks or so and so much of it has been you all at the table kate and others joe you are to be commended dan i really enjoyed working with you i'm going to say it more than once but i just want to say it tonight i feel like i've just seen you so much this past couple of weeks and i really do appreciate the work you all have done thank you and
2: I am chair for another 30 seconds and may never get to do this again, so <laughs> I, would, I would like to suspend the rules of decorum so that the board can give a round of applause to county staff for their work. And with that, we are adjourned. Thank you. Chair uh, Turner. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yep, yeah, Mr. Amstreet. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh. As I said, I may never be the chair again, for obvious reasons. Motion been made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 801.
0: Be- before you hit that gavel, Mr. M- Mr. Speaker, if I if I may, there is a, a child missing in our county. His name is Cole Humphreys. He is... Um, Hold on, just a second. In Leedsburg, he is thirteen. He's five ten. He's one hundred and sixty pounds. His eyes are brown. His hair is brown. He left for school this morning and never made it to school. The Leedsburg Police Department is looking at, is looking for him. He goes to Smart Smell School. He never made it there. They have shared it. His mother has shared it, and so Cole Humphreys is is is. is He's he's kind of all over Facebook. If you need to know how he looks, you can go to the Leedsburg Police Department page. It's on there. Um, You can see it on there just so you can see how this child looks. He's only 13 years old. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Any other business, Mr. Amster?
17: Chair Turner, are either you or Chair Randall going to formally cancel Wednesday's work session?
2: Uh, He did this without objection. Well, he
17: qualified it based off of what was going to happen at the meeting, so. We did,
2: and I don't, Has anyone, I'm open for discussion or suggestion. I have not heard anything at tonight's meeting that will cause us not to cancel the meeting on Wednesday. Dan? I agree. (laughs) Yeah, no, we were. Without objection then, we will formally cancel the meeting on Wednesday.
0: The work session, yeah, thank you. Work session. Yep, thank you. We
2: are adjourned, thank you all.